0: church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's you. sermon.
1: 2 Kings chapter 9. Man, what a great sight. All men. Pastor Mark Olson and I were coming back, flying on a plane, and the lady sitting next to Pastor Olson said that she was just coming back from a Joyce Meyer conference. Instead said it was a stadium full of women, and Pastor Olson leaned over, and we agreed that was our idea of hell right there, but Second Kings chapter 9. Thank God. July of 2011, 48-year-old Catherine Q. Becker, she put sleeping pills in a meal and fed it to her 51-year-old husband, whom she was separated from. He passed out lost consciousness. She then tied his arms and legs to the bed with rope and waited until he woke up. And when he woke up, she screamed, you deserve it, and then took a 10-inch knife and cut off his penis. She then took the penis and put it in the garbage disposal and turned it on. How many want to cross your legs right now? Amen. (laughs) At her trial, her husband said, she has murdered me and my mental state may never be what it was before. And Becker was convicted and sentenced to life in prison. An assault on his manhood that has permanently altered his life. In the scripture that we're going to read, there are some... Men who have had their manhood assaulted. And the Bible calls them eunuchs. And Pastor Mitchell referred to eunuchs last night. There are some literal eunuchs in our story. But this is a great story to look at because it is a picture of a demonic strategy against men. That the devil's strategy, his intention is to wound your manhood... And uh, our scripture is going to show us what do men have to do to overcome this. I want to preach about signature wounds from Second Kings chapter nine, if you want to read with me, starting uh, at verse 30, we'll read together. Now, when Jehu had come to Jezreel, Jezebel uh, to, came to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it. She put paint on her eyes and adorned her head. And she looked through a window. Then as Jehu entered at the gate, she said, Is it peace, Zimri, murderer of your master? (coughs) He looked up at the window, and he said, Who is on my side? Who? So two or three eunuchs looked uh, out at him. Then he said, Throw her down. And so they threw her down, and some of her blood splattered on the wall and on the horse's. And he trampled her underfoot. Signature wounds. I want to begin by looking at signature wounds for a moment. Our story is about a woman named Jezebel. And how she infiltrated and influenced an entire kingdom. And in the scripture that we read here, here is one of her influences. She had gathered some men around her... And had emasculated them. She had removed their testicles. She had a purpose in doing this. By uh, wounding them in this way, she can permanently alter them. She is going to put a mark upon these men that is going to last for the rest of their life. It is going to alter their entire outlook and their entire approach to life. That is a great picture of the devil's strategy against men because he understands this. The devil will target our manhood. He seeks to damage men in their ability to be men in order to alter them for life. I uh, titled this sermon Signature Wounds. There's a book by this title and what it's talking about, a signature wound, is a wound that's common to many soldiers in a, in a certain era. World War I, the blistered flesh that came from mustard gas, that was the signature wound. World War II, it was petroleum burns uh, that uh, occurred in, in various uh, battle settings. But it is talking about that in the Iraq war, because so many men were being blown up by IEDs, surgeons were astounded to see how many men were brought in whose genitals had been either blown off completely or severely wounded. And it called this a signature wound. Think about three signature wounds that men suffer. The first signature wound is the father wound. God has designed life to begin in the family and character is to be formed in the context of family. We learn identity and we learn value in the home. Literally, who you are and what you are worth as a man God meant that to come in the home and primarily that is the job of a father. You gain who you are and what you're worth from a father. The Bible tells about Rachel that she had a very difficult uh, uh, delivery and uh, in her final uh, uh, child and she knows that she's not going to survive the delivery and as they... The, the baby is uh, uh, birthed because of this difficulty. She puts a name. She says, "His name will be Ben Onai, or the son of my sorrow." But Jacob, the father, steps in and says, "No, I am not going to let him be called." sorrow, but rather his name shall be Benjamin Benjamin, or literally son of my right hand. His name shall be important because that is a Bible principle. Your father is meant to name you not just simply Bill or Jim or Sam, but literally he is meant to put identity and worth upon you. But of course, that brings us a problem, doesn't it? Because we have so many absent fathers. Men who don't mind making babies, but they don't want to raise them. Or men who will not stick it out in a marriage that, because there is difficulty. David Blankenhorn said a generation ago an American child could reasonably expect to grow up with his father. Today, an American child can reasonably expect not to. Tonight, about 40% of American children will go to sleep in homes in which their fathers do not live. Before they reach age 18, more than half of America's children will spend a significant portion of their childhood living apart from their fathers. So God intends for a father to impart identity and worth. But we have a generation, increasingly, of people that that is absent completely or in large portions of their life. This is a father wound. Then you have abusive fathers. Men who are there, but what they inflict upon their children is violence or emotional cruelty or, or even a sexual violation. Then you have Disconnected dads, dads who are there physically but emotionally they're disconnected. The absent workaholic who thinks that provision is uh, all there is to uh, fatherhood. Or we have uh, men who are disengaged, they never pay attention. To their children, never spend time with them, never say, I love you. There are children that have never heard the words from a father, I'm proud of you, never seen any kind of affection from a father. And this provides, this causes and inflicts a wound upon many men. There's a second signature wound, and that's the cultural wound. <laughs> Our culture. As Pastor Mitchell so aptly uh, uh, spoke last night, our culture is engaged in an all-out assault on manhood in general. Newsweek magazine, some years back, they had a cover story. is called The Boy Crisis. And in this article quoted one education expert who said that in today's public schools, boys tend to be treated as defective girls. What's wrong in the world today? Men, that's the message over and over again. In the media, the other day, a, a grade school child was kicked out of school because with his finger he went, pow. That's dangerous. Oh, that's terrible. Aggression. We can't, we can't have that. They want boys to be girls. And they're not. Any male behavior, any kind of aggression or competition is treated as a sickness. we got to drug them because there's something wrong with them. And in in the media today, over and over again, the message that you get is boys and men are fundamentally flawed. You see over and over again in the media, men are portrayed as bumbling idiots, always with a powerful together woman. Isn't that right? Men are portrayed as sinister or perverted or they're somehow suspect or they're just rapists in waiting. Molesters in waiting because that's all that men are. And the culture is giving the message that manhood is suspect. There's a third signature wound. It's the sexual wound. It's no accident that eunuchs are wounded in the center of their sexuality. You know what's unfortunate? Is that most men, their first encounter with sex or sexuality in any way is a perverted one. Their first encounter, understanding of sex, came from pornography molestation rape homosexuality incest this is their formative this is their first encounter and that is not an accident that is a strategy from hell to mark men in the center of their sexuality to wound them sexually this produces numbers of things it awakens sexuality before maturity We live in a generation today that children are far too sexually aware, way too young. You see little girls, it's like, how do you even know to act like that? It attaches shame to sexuality. See, the problem is, the enemy's strategy is to cause a feeling that there's something dirty or forbidden about sex. This is the wound that he tries to put upon men. He tries to connect sexuality to unhealthy emotions and actions. You know, God designed sex. What emotion should you feel with sex? Love. The highest uh, uh, expression of love. the, The highest expression of commitment and joy and love. But the problem is... The devil wants to mark men sexually. The emotion that is attached to sexuality in many men is anger. This is what happens. You're angry, so you act out sexually. Depression. What do you do when you're depressed? You have sex or you look at porn. When you're afraid, what do you do? When you're, when you're not certain about your manhood, when some woman is attacking, what do you do? Then you prove your manhood in some way through sexuality, and that is so far removed from what God meant sex to be. There's a wounding in the sexual, uh, sexual realm. Then, of course, this gives entrance to demonic powers that enslave Isaiah 49, 24 says, Shall the prey be taken from the mighty or the lawful captive, the legal captive, be delivered? Here is the problem. It's not just something that happens to us or someone did to us. The Bible speaks about lawful captives. That we give the devil the legal right to enslave us in some way. And this comes from a sexual wound. It is not a mistake. That the enemy of our souls tries to wound us sexually. These are signature wounds. Let's talk secondly about the damage of wounds. Because the enemy has very clear and deliberate aims. He's wanting to produce some things. The first damage of the signature wound is the damage of shame. Eunuchs, by and large, were... Mostly social outcasts. A eunuch was not somebody you invited over for dinner. This was not something that was acceptable. This is what the devil wants. This is why he wants to wound you so badly in these signature wounds. (laughs) Is he wants to give you the message of shame. And the message of shame simply says this. There is something wrong with you. You don't measure up. You don't fit in. If people knew what you were like, they wouldn't like you. And that is why the enemy tries so hard with these signature wounds... ...is to attach shame to you. Shame plays out in relationships. Deuteronomy 23, one: he that is wounded in the stones has his privy member cut off, shall not enter the congregation of the Lord. God says, a man who is wounded, in his manhood, it is going to affect his ability to relate to other people. You have men, that this is the problem with men who are wounded uh, with a signature wound. What they will do is they will pull away. They want to hide. They won't be real. They won't be honest with you. They will never speak about what their greatest fears or their greatest problems really are. Or else you have men that they go the other way. That in every relationship they want to dominate. There's a, Everything's a conflict. Why? Because they want to prove I am above you. I do have worth. Why? Because there's a voice inside their head that says, You don't fit in. There's something wrong with you. Let's look secondly at the damage. uh, There's a second damage that's the damage of identity. See, eunuchs had difficulties in identity. Who are they? They're not quite men, and they're not quite women. See, a father wound does the greatest damage in the area of identity. See, a father is the one who's meant to shape identity. And, and a father was meant to be the primary one. The Bible says, before Eve ever came along, God gave Adam a job and his job was naming He brought animals by, and Adam identified them. Because that is the job of a man, of a father, is to give identity to his children, and especially to give identity to his son. When that is wounded, when that is missing, it produces great confusion in identity. I had a man, a young man come and, South Africa, a very a tremendous convert. This man came to counsel with me one time. He had never known his father, had never met his father ever one time in his entire life. And he asked me a question one day. He said, Pastor Greg, who am I? Now, he was not asking, what's my name? That's not, that's not what he's asking What a profound question. Who am I? Because he had never had identity put upon him. Now, the problem is... ...if you do not have a father putting correct identity on you... ...you know what men do? You can't live like that. You go search for an identity. You seek to go find one. I moved to South Africa in 1997. I lived several years already in Australia... And at that time, I had no idea who Tupac Shakur was. I didn't even know who he was. But I had ten Tupacs in my church. Because these were young men who had no identity, and so they would look at a video clip, and they would say, that's who I am. And they would come dressed like, standing like, But then a movie star would come, and he had a different identity. He was the scruffy, and now all of a sudden, no, they've got a new identity. Now they're scruffy man. But then there's some singer, and, and this is the problem, is that men, they think that identity is something that you put on like clothes. This is who I am. What, today? One day you're a rapper? Next day, you're gangster. Next day, you're movie star. Next day, you're singer. Next day, you're athlete. Because you don't know who you are. You're wounded in your identity. Men who have no identity, the problem is they seek a false manhood. There are men that their whole life is a constant effort to prove. On the inside, they don't feel like a man. And so their whole life is, I will prove that I'm a man if you look at them wrong if you cut into their lane too close (sighs) dude it was a lane change right they weren't saying you are a worthless piece of dirt no 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 they just didn't see you but they're men they're whole they, they, this is it in a moment they'll get into conflict over a look why because they're trying to prove i am a man because i don't feel like one you know what rebellion flows out of identity confusion they're men that this is their whole persona in life they're a rebel you're not going to tell me what to do you know why because they're desperately afraid If I go along with what you want me to do, then somehow I'm going to lose who I am. It's going to lower my worth. Then you have the nonconformists, right? Okay, I'll wear a suit with lime green socks. What's up with that? That is someone, they don't know who they are. And they're desperately afraid if I conform and be like you or them, then I'm going to somehow lose who I am or who I'm trying to be.
2: What is up, Sermon Podcast listeners? This is Pastor Adam from the Virginia Beach Potter's House. Wanted to say thank you again for listening to this podcast. We hope that you have been enjoying the new daily podcast format. We have been doing our best to post a daily sermon, uh, either from our church or from around the fellowship. We want to ask a couple of favors of you, if you don't mind. First of all, if you are listening to this, make sure that you are subscribed. There's a lot of people who are listening to these and navigating to them uh, every single day, uh, but it would be better for you and a whole lot better for us if you make sure that you are subscribed so that you get daily sermons der- delivered directly to your Phone or your computer. Uh, the next thing I want to ask you to do is make sure that you leave us a review. We want to ask you if you are enjoying the daily podcast fellowship sermons from around the world. Please, please go and uh, give us a rating, give us a five stars. Uh, and if you enjoy this, we want to ask you to please share this. No doubt, there's people in your church that would enjoy listening to a daily sermon from around the fellowship. The third big thing I want to ask you to do. Is I want to talk to the sound booth guy in your church. And I believe that there are some treasure trove sermons out there. We've built a platform that uh, I believe... We could use for the kingdom and no doubt that there are some of you, you know, somebody who knows somebody who's got about 10,000 sermons in the sound booth that they've been sitting on or or maybe you've got a sermon that you think uh, would be great to share on this sermon podcast. We want to hear from you. We want to we want to get our hands on those uh, on those sermons so that we can publish them and we can get them out to the rest of our fellowship. So those are my big three requests. Uh, We want to say thank you again for listening. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Thanks a lot, guys.
1: Then, of course, there's the damage of domination. Jezebel surrounds herself with eunuchs. What's a eunuch going to do? Whatever Jezebel says. There are men that are here. You are literally dominated by women. Some of your whole life is dominated by the opinions of Women, you know what? There are men here. The greatest fear in your entire life is displeasing your mother. You didn't have a dad. You're raised with a strong woman. She raised you, God bless her. Your greatest fear in all of life is that mommy should be displeased with you. And every decision in life is run by mama. Who you're going to marry? I don't like her. Okay, well, that's it. I'll find somebody else. What job you're going to take, what career you're going to have, whether you're going to pursue ministry and the call of God. Literally, for some men, their salvation is determined by the opinion of a woman. She don't like it. I don't like it. And then of course there are men that they literally are dominated by women sexually. You know there are men that all of their life is all about female attention. In every setting they come into the house of God, it's all about making getting the eye of, of a woman. Cuz Jezebel runs you. Cuz you don't know who you are. I wouldn't be worth something if I walked in a room and a woman didn't look at me. And then of course there're men that pornography dominates their life. A picture of a woman, a pixel of a woman makes you a man? Final damage is the damage of passivity. Jezebel wanted eunuchs around them, around her. Because they would never rise up. What's a unit gonna do? Whatever Jezebel says. I think we're gonna, okay. They're they're never gonna say no. And there are men that that is the way that they like it. It's much easier to let women run the show. Man, I just work so hard, I'm so stressed. Whatever you say, dear, because I'm tired. Whatever you think is best, sure, you do everything. That'll be fine. I'll just sit on the couch and watch TV. You know, most scholars believe that Adam was there with his wife. It wasn't like he was off on the job, then he came home. You did what? You ate what? The Bible says that she took and ate and gave it to her husband. And he passively stood there and let it happen. Whatever you want, that's fine. It's easier to let your wife deal with the kids. It's easier to let her be strong spiritually. It's easier to play video games. Go hunt and fish while she deals with the work. Because that's a lot easier for a man who's wounded. It's a lot easier to let women run the show. Let's close. I want to look at one more thought. I want to talk about throwing down. Jehu calls the eunuchs to a choice. In verse 32, the question he asks is, who is on my side? In other words, he doesn't say, how many of you all got the right equipment? That was not his question. See, manhood is not a matter of equipment. It's a matter of choice. Maleness comes by birth. Manhood comes by choice. The first choice that you're going to have to make if you want to be a man is you're going to have to overcome your past. Can I tell you something, gentlemen? Your past doesn't have to dominate your whole life. See, the the enemy will wound men, and the signature wounds that I spoke of, but that is not a foregone conclusion that, that you're doomed because of the past. Jabez, his mother named him. His name literally is painful, if you want to put it in plain words. We don't know whether... There's no mention of a father... Maybe it was the father died or the father ran off or whatever. And she says, another child, this boy is going to be painful. That's what his life is going to be. But Jabez, he called on God. He said, I don't want to be like this. I don't want what has been put upon me. And God was able to give him a different future. Listen to me. God has great concern for the fatherless and the wounded. The Old Testament is filled with injunctions to care for the fatherless because God cares about the fatherless. And the Bible says that when Jesus was on earth, he made people whole. That's what God can do. Listen, not just, you're going to be wounded, you're going to be a mess, but you're going to come to church. No, no, Jesus makes people whole. He brings wholeness and healing. Thank God. (laughs) You know what? God can bring deliverance to your signature wounds. I don't care if if that is a father wound, a cultural wound, or a sexual wound. God can deliver you. Galatians 4, 6 says, because you are sons, God sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba. Father, I'm going to tell you a tremendous story. This is about a woman, but the principle applies to men and women. Some friends of ours, uh, she had her second child and had a very painful and traumatic delivery. She almost died in delivery. Something happened in her mind after this. She battled depression, almost lost her mind. She's plagued by suicidal thoughts. Actually, they were afraid that she was a danger to her own children. They put her on antidepressants, committed her to a psych ward on several different occasions. This is a Christian woman in one of our churches. Very interesting, and another another uh, thought for another day, but she uh, learned that her mother had suffered a complete mental collapse when she was born. Exactly the same thing. There's a family curse at work. She gets pregnant a third time, and now the family are very worried she'd... Kind of had some stability in her life. She's pregnant for the third time. And now they're like, great. What's going to happen when she has another baby? While she's pregnant, they had a revival in their church. She's sitting in her seat. The evangelist calls somebody else out on the other side of the church. Wasn't even talking to her. And he said something in the word that he was giving to this person. Something about her being an unwanted child. And on this side of the church, when she heard those words, an unwanted child, on the inside, she said, that's what's wrong with me. I'm an unwanted child. And sitting at her seat, she cried out to God. She said, God, I don't want to be like this. And she said, devil, get out of my life. And God did a miracle. Her mind came clear. Thank God. a complete deliverance gave birth to the third child no problems her and her husband they're out pastoring today because this is what God wants to do is he wants to deliver you from the signature wounds but you see manhood is a call to action verse 33 if you're going to make a choice do you want to be free do you want to be a man Verse 33, he says, throw her down. There's something you must do in order to be a man. Number one, there has to be forgiveness. You're never going to enter into true manhood unless you forgive those who've wounded you. We had a man in our church years ago as a heroin addict. Been in and out of numbers of our churches for years. Still battling his addiction to heroin He said one day he went out in the woods and he's crying out to God, one of these, that God, how come you're not helping me? Why aren't I getting free? And he he said, it was like almost I heard God speak to me because you hate your father. That's the problem. You're not moving on until you forgive. You must forgive those that wounded you. Number two, you need to ask your heavenly father for healing. Listen, Dr. Phil can't heal you.
0: <laughs> only your...
1: Listen, you, you may have had no dead, abusive dead, neglectful dead. Listen, only your heavenly father can heal you. To bring that to him and say, God, I want to be healed. Bring those wounds to the one who can heal that. Number three, it involves putting away the past. 1 Corinthians 13, 11. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, understood as a child, thought as a child... But when I became a man, I put away childish things. You know, there's some men here, there's some things in your life that need to go. You're saved now? You know what? The gangster identity, it needs to go. (laughs) Amen. The little boy identity, it needs to go. Come on, you know, if you're 39 years old and you still got your hat sideways, put it away. Some of you, that might be your video games or, you know, anything else that is childish. Your image as a player. Put it away. And finally, it involves taking responsibility. I close with this thought. Manhood pleases God. These eunuchs, here it is. He says, who is on my side? Throw her down and they did it. I want to tell you that pleases God. What happens when men will be men? Number one, it breaks demonic strongholds. Baal worship lost its grip in the nation that day. Something transformed. Listen, I am looking out at the answer to America. Oh, America has many problems, but I'm looking at the answer. Ezekiel 22, 30, I sought for a man to stand in the gap. Listen, there is enough men here. If you will rise up and be a man, if you will ask God to heal your manhood... And take responsibility as a man and be a man of God. I'm looking at the answer. Number two, it brings about the will of God. If we'd have kept on reading verse 36, this is the word of the Lord. Men are able to bring about God's will and finally it blesses other people. This impacted every person in the entire kingdom. You know, the real issue this morning is not what wounds do you have. Right? It's it's not here you you think that that's hard. That's nothing, let me tell you. We get up one by one and go, yeah, yeah, look at that scar, man. We talk about it and go, yeah, it was bad, it's rough, it's tough. Listen, I don't care what wounds do you have. What I care today is what are you passing on? Now, somebody here, you know, we can't turn back the hands of time. I can't bring back your absent father. But the question is, what are you passing on? Okay, you had somebody who wounded you, so are you a wounder? Is that where you're going to put in, an, a, an absence of identity and value? With your children, the people around you? What are you putting in to your children, your family? Wounds or identity? Weakness or strength? A reason to give up or a reason to go on? I close with this story. The book In Harm's Way recounts the sinking of the USS Indianapolis. The last ship sunk in World War II. 925 men went into the waters. Their ship sunk in the shark-infested waters of the Pacific. Horrific book, gripping book. Men are being eaten by sharks. No one knew they're missing. No one's even looking for them. This book recounts how these 925 men, they go into the water. And for four days, they're without food. They're in the water. They're sunburned. It's describing how their skin begins falling off. There's a doctor who was on the ship. And he went in and he would recount. He said, I would look at the young men around me. He was a little bit older than most of the young sailors. He said, I can watch. They're holding on and holding on. He said, I can see it in their eyes. They're about to give up. The thought, no one's looking for us. We're all going to die here. And he said, I'd watch. And sure enough, they would let go and drift away. And either the sharks would get them or they would drown. He said, I'm looking at a young man. And I know he's, he's at that point. He's about to give up. And sure enough, he lets go. He starts to drift. And all of a sudden, it was as though he shook himself. And he grabbed back on. And he said, no, I can't let go. My dad always taught me you never give up. And it was later that day that a plane saw them and they were rescued. Now that's powerful. There was a man who put something into his son. Not, You know, I said, son, you pay attention because someday you're going to be living with the sharks. He he didn't know that. But he put strength into his son. He put something into him in a crisis moment of life. Something his father put into him enabled him to be a man so that he survived. My question, gentlemen, what are we going to put in to our families? Let's welcome Pastor Campbell.
0: We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vbph.org.